Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to SpotCast. This is Season 3, Episode 8, Veritas. And uh, my name is Timitra, and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and uh, joined by Jonathan Kuline in Mississauga, Ontario. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> and I have Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? It's going pretty good. But, you know, last week I forgot to uh, do the introductions. I don't know if you guys noticed that or not. Well, we figured we're just, you know, B parts to this whole thing. People had to guess who we were. So hopefully they, hopefully that wasn't their first episode and they're like, who are these guys? <laughs> you can always loop it in, you know, from some others, like, like literally the previous yeah. episode and <laughs> see if anybody notices. I had to do that a couple of weeks ago, right? So a couple of weeks ago. All right. Well, anyway, let's, let's dig into some fact check here. Um, so we were talking, I, at least I was talking, you guys were probably listening, but um, I was talking last week about the foundation series and, and reference to the sort of since we were throwing all the other um you know sci-fi worlds into under the bus there last week so i didn't I, get that could you try again go away siri <laughs> <laughs> um she gets told to go away a lot um anyway so yeah so what was i oh i because i said foundation series anyway um or as, as jaime would say foundation followed by the word series right anyway uh getting back to what i was talking about so we were talking i was talking about the great library of trentor which is trentor was is a central world in the foundation series oh okay <laughs> that uh in in asimov's books because that's where the the you know the great library was obviously and harry selden who's the main character of the first book he start starts working on this uh, new science called psychohistory where he's able to like minority report predict the future of civilizations and stuff like that and um so yeah so the the great library in trantor so trantor is very similar to corsicant which is the from the star wars universe right the central center of the galaxy kind of thing so mm -hmm. and as we'll find out when the foundation followed by the word series comes out on apple uh apple tv in a little while i guess um that uh maybe they'll follow that same sort of thread who knows who knows by the way i've been watching brave new world have you guys been watching that i've nope. not i've not not so much okay like, i, I forget which point. service that's on to be quite honest yeah it's on television here in canada i don't know about you oh well <laughs> in the land of non-socialized uh it's so good media. to be able to, to lord that over you apple card now i gotta people. look it up i'm gonna apple okay cash. You know, before you know i look it up before i look it up i think it is on crap i was gonna say hbo but it could be cool i'm gonna go with hbo i think it is hbo max i see that at the beginning of the thing i'm pretty sure they see it on that that uh, other show i watched the um uh, raised by wolves right although i do watch the other raised by wolves too anywho all right uh, let's get to the headlines uh, i think we have jaime up first yeah there's got a whole bunch of, of of marvel news here so black widow has been officially delayed to 2021 uh apparently now opening hypothetically on may 7th 2021 so set your calendars so that's uh that's what 15 months after it was originally supposed to be out it was supposed to be yeah. out in february this year or February? May? May. Sorry. My bad. May. That's still a long, huge, huge long break. 
Yeah, well, you know, there was a sort of pandemic kind of thing happening in the meantime, right? So yeah, uh, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it continues to get bumped. If uh, if they're not, if they're not going to make their billion bucks off it, it'll, they'll just keep bumping it until they will, right? Yeah, yeah. And that was the just the first part of uh, of a, a bunch of dominoes, right, Henry? Indeed, indeed. Uh, Speaking of dominoes, <laughs> <laughs> the greatest segue into the Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, being delayed until 2021 as well. So this was going to be the uh, the Disney Plus show, which um, oh, TV you know, it, show? Why would they delay that? Oh, I guess maybe there's tie-ins. That's it, what it probably the speculation spoilers. is. Yeah. yeah, it probably depends on not only you know what's going on in movies, but probably also how far exactly did they get before COVID hit? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. ideally you would want to be in in post production because yeah, that that was a mad dash, I'm sure, to get everybody set up with VPN networks and etc. But that's different than oh, we literally can't convene to shoot uh, scenes, which is an altogether different problem. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they also bumped the uh, the other two Marvel movies that are supposed to be out in the next little while, which are uh, right. Eternals is one. What's the what's the other one? It's Shang Chi. Oh, Shang Chi. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so they've moved all three of those to next year. Mm-hmm. So it's May, July, and I think November is what they've got them slated for now. So that's Black Widow, Shang-Chi, and then Eternals. And I'm curious about that one too, because I think, maybe I'm mistaken, but I think Eternals was supposed to come out before Shang-Chi. So I don't know if there isn't a narrative uh, like a you know post credit scene thread through these episodes uh, of Marveldom, or how they're doing things differently from before. Because before there was sort of a through line through all the f- first phases that sort of continued uh, an overarching story. I wonder if they're going to tweak things or change things in order to do that now. Hmm. The question was: Was Ferris Bueller sort of the first movie to sort of do that post trailer post credit scene? Yeah, it's the first one I can remember. Yeah, mm. it is fairly old. Um, I'm trying to think of other movies that have done epilogues, but not a trailer. Sorry, um, uh, credits have completely gone by, and then you get an altogether different scene. That's a good question. I I, I don't know what yeah. what has the. Yeah, I remember the director like the... of that was that the Breakfast Breakfast Club guy. Yeah, yeah, John Hughes. Oh. Um, yeah, I think um, the James Bond movies in the 1960s always used to wait till the very last thing and it would flash up, James Bond will return. Right, right. But there was no there was no live action to it. It was just... But you knew if you waited till the end of the movie, sometimes it would say James Bond will return in dot, 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 and it would tell you the name of the next movie, or sometimes it would just say James Bond will return. And so that was a little, little Easter egg if you were willing to stick around, you know, and that's going back 50 years. But as far as I can right. recall, the first one was, was that scene at the end of Ferris Bueller and of course a lovely homage at the end of Deadpool right at Deadpool he comes out yes, in, in the same yeah. bathrobe with the in the same house and so it's like bang on except it's got Deadpool's wearing his mask and everything mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all right well speaking of Deadpool what's next Jonathan well <laughs> continuing the the uh, Marvel and Disney Plus theme uh, it was a new trailer for WandaVision dropped this week they still haven't announced exactly when it's coming but they did put out a trailer that uh, gives a little bit more of a taste of of what it is and what it is is freaking weird uh i don't know if you guys had a chance to watch this trailer yeah it's about five korean singers or something like that (laughs) not the same thing uh but it's very weird it's uh it seems like you know there's uh a bit of a sort of you know they're trapped in a 1950s sitcom but then it also looks like it's going through different eras and uh you know obviously uh, paul bettany's vision is seemingly alive even though he seemingly died that supposed to be vision yeah oh really oh i didn't get I, I knew he looked familiar but but that's not there's a scene where the guy the robot guy puts on a face and is 
that Paul Bettany sitting in the chair? Yeah. Having, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I just flashed by to watch it really quickly. Yeah. No, hmm. it's it, it though. All those scenes are Paul Bettany playing the vision and then playing himself as a human version of the vision. Right. Right. So I don't know if this is all supposed to be going on inside of Wanda's head. She's had a nervous breakdown or something, um, which so is, a, do we know who Wanda is or, uh, what do you mean? Do we like, do we know in the Marvel universe who she is? Uh, in the Marvel universe, uh, the car- the comic book universe, she is Magneto's daughter. Oh, okay. In the comic books, they do that. In the movies, they gave her that different origin because they didn't have the rights to the X-Men at the time. So okay. they had that whole, she was created using the power of Loki's staff thing at the beginning of Age of Ultron, the Avengers Age of Ultron. And then she and Quicksilver, her brother, Pietro, the guy who runs really fast in that movie... Uh, were supposed to have been like spawned by the powers of this, as opposed to just being mutants. Oh, this is the same. This is the girl, the girl character that has the sort of powers to like move things. Is that the one? Yeah, she's well. The, they call them hexes in the comic books. The idea is that uh, her powers basically are almost limitless in their ability to um, make the improbable happen. Right. Right. Okay. So she, she and like Vision in the Scarlet, which is one of the first Marvel comics that I read back in the you know early mid eighties when. And I was sort of just starting to get into superhero comics and, and have always been a big favorite of mine. So I'm I'm excited that they have made their way into the cinematic universe and, and the, now that they're mm. getting their own show. At one point in the trailer, you can actually see them wearing variants of the costumes that they wear in the, or wore, I guess, traditionally in the comic books when they were in the old 1960s and 70s Avengers. The, right. uh, the right. you know, billowing yellow cape and the, uh, the Wanda in her bright red sort of scarlet costume with the... the long gloves and everything so it'll be interesting oh, to see between color and black and white in this show yeah it seems like there's sort of at one point it seems like they're in a sort of i love lucy kind of thing and at one point it seems like they're in kind of a brady bunch homage so i don't know if they're doing sort of how you know this is all sort of how she's working through her grief about vision like again they didn't really the trailer is very abstract it doesn't really give you any clarity on what's happening except that you know you do see glimpses of you know her using her powers him using his powers and um you know it'll be interesting to see how it all ties together but it's definitely very visually interesting uh, what uh, would you guys make of it all a trailer yeah well like i said i just i just really quick quickly whipped through it so how about you hemi yeah, I, th- I thought it was interesting that, like, whatever is happening here, whether she's doing some reality-bending thing or this is going on in her head, in either case, it is kind of interesting that it's not, a, you know, a pure fantasy land because she has, uh, like, her mother or possibly mother-in-law, it's unclear to me, which say, like, oh, so when are you all going to have kids, you know? Like a very common sort of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pressure you would get from family members. So it's not the, the idyllic sort of thing necessarily. It seems like there's some aspect of something darker or perhaps just some realism that there, there's only so far the fantasy goes that it's not perfect. It's like, oh, look, I have this, you know, annoying parents or annoying, you know, in-laws who are wondering where we're going to give them grandchildren sort of thing, which is not necessarily the sort of thing you would imagine as a fantasy, yeah. which I thought was an interesting take. Well, and Scarlet Witch is a, has been a fascinating character with some really interesting takes by different creators over the years in the comics. You know, she was very sort of um, innocent in her way uh, back in the beginning and then she also sort of goes to this uh you know place where she falls in love with vision and then um at one point in the comic books she and vision have children through using magic and so they do actually have children and then later on vision is captured and uh his 
memory is wiped and she has a nervous breakdown and her nervous breakdown actually manifests in her going very dark or like just sort of you know doesn't give a, a crap about anything and starts taking people out and has a real like goes off the deep end and at one point she's responsible for this huge um calamity where she kills some of the avengers and she uh basically alters reality so dramatically it creates a different alternate timeline called house of m where mutants rule the rule the earth so i don't know if they're ready to go to that although if they built this the right way you could tell that story and have it be a segue into the x-men in the marvel universe but i suspect Hmm. you wouldn't see that on television i think if they're going to do something that grandiose it would be more likely building it up in in the movie theaters so i don't know i don't know if that's where they're going but there's been a lot of really good stories written about that character and maybe they're going to chip away at a few of them the the storyline about maybe them having the kids or them um you know starting a life together or whatever as part of these these tv shows so as a real-time follow-up um the i just scanned through the the video and um the staircase in the middle there's a scene in the middle where that looks to me like the bewitched house Mm -hmm. um i'm not sure about the brady bunch house but the first the black and white one is the the house from the um dick van dyke show oh there you go yeah with mary taylor moore there you go yeah Mm -hmm. again it all seems very familiar when you when you watch it 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 does trigger those sort of like nostalgic memories yeah yeah but yeah again it makes you wonder if this is all just sort of you know a delusion or an illusion or magic or alternate reality or something else but but again visually very interesting yeah for sure yeah i've I've only seen the very first part of it i guess i didn't watch i wasn't really paying attention when i saw it the other day so and i don't think i had the volume on so i couldn't really follow it that well yeah there you go all right next cool uh next up we've got a little bit of uh well good and bad news out of the emmy awards so uh watch schitt's creek won everything well schitt's creek won uh, everything comedy wise canada's own schitt's creek i should point which out i'm a little torn about on one hand i'm i'm very happy for the big canadian show and uh very happy for our canadian uh brethren and sestron for getting involved in that but um good place was in its final season as well and they got completely shut oh, out which really? is kind of a shame they actually didn't mm. uh win anything over their run which is kind of a shame because I, I think that show was one of the smartest shows i've seen in a long time and kind of would right. like yeah. been yeah. nice if it would have been recognized but um watchman won the emmy award for best limited series and kind of kicked um butt across those categories it went so le- who were they up against and just for context uh oh that's a good question um i still have to go back and watch that one actually he's throwing me a curveball here man um i know it won total of 11 there you go i right. got the list hang on i 11, got the... it won 11 awards it won 11 emmys wow yeah so limited series it beat little fires everywhere mrs america unbelievable and unorthodox for best limited series um, but beyond that, it also won, uh, so it won Best Series, but it also won uh, Best Actress for Regina King, Best Actor for Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, um, Corey Jefferson and Damon Lindelhoff won for Best Writing in a Limited Series, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross for Best Music, uh, Gregory Middleton for Best Cinematography, Thomas, uh, Victoria Thomas and Megan Lewis for Best Casting, and uh, won for Best Sci-Fi and Fantasy Costumes, Sharon Davis 
Davis and Valerie Zelanka. So yeah, it kind of kicked the butt out of all those categories. And I will say that was one of the best things. I didn't want to like it at all, but it was really amazing. It was really good. What, the, the, the Watchmen, Watchmen Limited series? It was really oh, really? Good. Okay. It was really, I highly recommend it. I it, And particularly in light of the kind of year we've had, because it is a real reflection of race in America. Um, it's the first episode starts, and this is, I don't think, a spoiler. It starts with the... Um, Oklahoma City massacre of the uh, uh, black community, um, the which black is a Wall very in, uh... the, yes, absolutely. So a very visceral depiction of that um, incident, and it it's called Watchmen, and it's set in that world, but it's set thirty years after the events of the the graphic novel, or so it carries that world forward from that point but it's not really rooted in it doesn't change the story of watchmen it doesn't change uh the context so as i'm not i'm not a big fan of people doing things against the wishes wishes of the creators as they did with this uh alan moore sort of said it was meant to be a comic was only ever meant to be a comic and the story was a beginning and a middle and an end he didn't like the fact that they went and turned it into a movie and then turned it into a series of new comics and then turned it into a TV show. He was not supportive of that at all. So I feel a little bit of sympathy for him knowing that his artistic vision has been compromised, but it was really amazing. It was so well done. It was a fascinating and absolutely engrossing uh, bit of television. It was only nine episodes, I think. Uh, and hmm. Damon Lindelof said today, uh, in light, he said, uh, initially he said, I'm done. I only wanted to tell this one story. This is all I had to say. And then after winning the Emmys, people were like, well, you won the Emmys. Maybe you should do more. He was like, no, because I won the Emmys even more, I don't want to do more. It's perfect. I want to walk away with my head up. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a good thing to see a show like that get recognized. And it's the first time that any comic book-based series has won Emmy for Best Anything. Oh, wow. All right. So, I mean, Game of Thrones is a book, right? A lot of things have been adapted from books. This is the first thing that's been adapted from a comic book that's won Best so that's where the history statement comes in? That is the history statement, yeah. Hmm. Um, in other Emmy news, The Dark Crystal, the uh, amazing Age of Resistance, this glorious, beautiful, wondrous revision of uh, The Dark Crystal for Netflix, won the Emmy Award for Best Kids Programming and oh, was, yeah? can was cancelled. Right, right. Uh, I decided to save my rage from social media so that I could have a little bit of it here. So if you'll permit me uh, just a moment on the soapbox. What sure. a bleeping bad idea this is. That show was amazing. It was so beautiful. This so vivid and fully realized. So fresh and original. I'm disgusted that they're not doing more. I understand why they might not want to because, uh, you know, obviously there's, you know, it's probably very expensive. Obviously it's very time consuming. There's probably lots of factors for why you wouldn't want to do that. Maybe the ratings weren't as good as they needed to be to justify it either. But it was not meant to be a one and done like The Watchmen. It was meant to be a story that had more to say. And the fact that they're not going to be able to do that breaks my heart. I am so mad that they've canceled the series have you guys yeah, watched I, I i yeah i definitely watched the uh the, the first season loved it i've got some uh, some funko pops from uh of, of some of the characters and the thing that strikes me as weird is there's a very very large investment in building the the sets and the puppets yeah. that i would have thought oh sort of very similar to how sort of expensive something like uh even traditional animation for uh, star trek lower decks is like, oh 
they just sort of, you know, pre-ordered two seasons worth because it's easier to amortize the costs over that, right? Just assume if, if you're going to do even one, you can get two seasons for just a little bit more. I would have thought that if they were looking at this and said, you know, we're going to go ahead and make this series, you would have at a minimum two seasons. And if the, you know, the, the ratings that say they weren't good enough, given the cost, I still would have said, well, all right, what can you do with season two? Don't build any new puppets, reuse puppets you've got, right? Just just do it as cheap as possible, <laughs> yeah. right? Because because it was already a minimum cost, right? They're not going to rebuild all the puppets. So uh, given that that big expense, I'm very, very shocked that they didn't uh, keep it, especially after winning an Emmy. And I'm hoping that given that it came from uh, the uh, Jim Henson's company, I'm hoping that the relationship with Disney for the Muppets, maybe Disney Plus will pick this up. That's what yeah, I'm hoping that, for. That mm-hmm. was my hope too. And I wasn't clear because I, I know that they bought the, the rights to the Muppets. So I'm not even sure how that relationship was set up with Netflix to begin with. And maybe that, Jaime, is a really good point. Maybe that was part of the decision making was that there was a relationship or or there wasn't a relationship. Now there is a relationship. So they were obliged to do one season, but they don't have to do two or something. I I don't know. Yeah, I I I hope it continues. And it's not like we haven't seen shows, different shows jump from, you know, one broadcaster to another. So it's not unprecedented. Uh, So I'm really hoping that somebody picks this one up. Well, I mean, and as I said before, shows aren't necessarily made by the stations that show them right so it could be that it could get picked up as a side story i saw here too that the director apparently saved all the puppets from a massive fire somewhere too so they do live as it were mm-hmm. uh, i just i, I I'm, I'm just gutted i'm I, the fact that it took so long to get somebody to continue that universe and that it was done with such such reverence and such love for that world and for the characters i mean if you watched any of the behind the scenes stuff that they put on netflix as well like you can just feel, and even when you're watching the show, you can feel the love, the care, the detail that everyone from the, you know, the people who wrote the story to the people who are the puppeteers, the people who are doing all the designs and costumes and sets. And it just seemed like they were investing so much of their care and love in it. And it just, again, it's just devastating to have been teased with a, a taste of that world and to think that you were probably going to get more and then have that rug pulled out from under you. And speaking of having the rug pulled out from under you, or the cape, as it were. Uh, Supergirl. In a bit of a surprise move this week, we found out that Supergirl is going to end after this upcoming season. So they didn't really give a specific reason. Uh, lots of very nice things all said by everyone. Oh, it was a great show and, you know, we're happy. We want to go out on top and everything else. Uh, only six seasons by the time they're done this final one. So shorter than Arrow, shorter, you know, than I think people were sort of expecting. Um, it could be to do with the fact that Melissa Benoist has become a mom and maybe she doesn't want to commit to being on, on a busy demanding schedule of being the top talent on on a tv show mm-hmm. um or it could just be that it's you know again it's expensive or it could be covid you know related that it's just difficult to to get people in and out because you know american crew or american talent and it's shot in canada and maybe there's some logistical issues uh, although it says that they're going to get back to shooting soon here in Vancouver. But again, a bit of a bummer. I've really, really enjoyed that show. I, I wasn't sort of sure what to expect from it. But again, that show is made with such people who are so passionate about it. You can you can really feel it jump off the screen. Those people really, really enjoy their work. And yeah, definitely. And I, yeah. I'm, I'm again, I'm really upset that that one's going, but I'm glad that that one at least gets 20 episodes. They're going to do one more 20 episode season to uh, to try and wrap it up. Now, the hope there is that 
20 episodes actually get produced that there isn't another covid lockdown or anything else that derails that but yeah i've always been a super persons um fan i mean like that's one of the comic books i read when i was a kid too right um superboy and superman and and you know the old uh the black and white um tv show or, or serial i guess mm-hmm. i guess it was a movie at tv was it t- like it was probably a movie serial before it was on tv but uh, with what's his name that um george reeves, reeves? george reeves george reeves yeah um you know and then even even the even the the remakes in the 70s where superman actually learns to fly and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff and with chris reeves right and um reeve one, yeah, one, so, I mean, one reeve two reeves only one reeve i know i've always i've always sort <laughs> of um been um a fan of this show because supergirl is another character like is there, there never was a superwoman right not in the shows, but in the comics, there were in yeah. the comics. There's been yeah, not not very long. Uh, yeah, you know, more sporadic. Supergirl has been right. the, the sort of preeminent female. I mean, the main yeah. one, yeah. Super well, Superboy and Crypto, Krypton, Crypto. What was his name of his dog? Crypto, Crypto. Yeah, I was right the first time. Um, I used to read that when I was a kid. But do, yeah, do you remember her? She had a pet too. Do you remember what her pet's name was? I don't know if I read her. She had blonde hair, like yeah. blonde hair, right, and yeah. sort of mini skirt kind of thing. Yeah, I can't remember. She had Streaky the super cat. Streaky. Oh, I thought it was maybe uh, Nightmare of the Horse. No, that was no, uh, no, that's Wendy Casper. From... That's Wendy and Casper. Yeah, <laughs> I thought there was a super horse though. There is a super horse. <laughs> there's actually there's a whole bunch of super pets. Secretariat was that the super horse? Secretariat. Yes, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep. Anyway, yeah. Right, let's carry on. With, carry on with the cancellation talk. No, no. This this next one is not cancellation. Jaime's got one. Oh, okay. He's going to break the cancellation streak. All right. We'll we'll get back to that. Yeah, and it's actually pretty good timing because I did look up to see where in the world is Brave New World. Why haven't I watched it? It's like, oh, because it's on Peacock, which is right, NBC Universal. Yes, right. Now you mentioned it, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, fans of the show may have forgotten that uh, I am a Roku <laughs> device user, so I literally could not get Peacock as a service on my device because uh, Comcast and Roku were, were fighting over over the money uh but they did after months of negotiations uh come to an agreement and supposedly uh, I've, although i've not checked you can download the uh the peacock streaming service channel on uh, on your roku device so there you go it's both uh both nice. a follow-up and uh and a news item all in one nice that's nice cool all right still no word on when it'll arrive in canada or if it will arrive in canada well just like you said though it um the it does say a peacock production at the beginning of brave new world now that you mention it so, so, yeah, so what right. are you watching it on tim which um which service uh, is television it? <laughs> i know but it's which on channel? Showca- showcase. showcase showcase yeah so that's often what happens to us up here is they will sell things off piecemeal right they'll do you know one show goes to this network one show goes to that network. Whoever's basically whoever pays the most in syndication rights right yeah yep well like i said there's I, I remember watching something on tv a long long time ago maybe on cbc or something like that about how how tv shows get bought and they go down to like la and they watch you know um limited runs of them and they they bid on them mm-hmm. you know like you said and then that's how they get carried up here whether it's space or showcase or bravo or whatever what have you right yeah all the cable channels yeah no. bravo's still around i think so i, I couldn't say i haven't seen bravo I, in a it's, while, it's but... not on my radar yeah. yeah so yeah anyway speaking of services uh, we have one to mourn and one reborn. Uh, DC Universe. We've talked about that over the past few weeks. DC Universe was the uh, online service that was carrying some original programming, as well as being a place where you could watch the uh, 
or you can watch a, a, some back catalog of DC related products, cartoons, TV shows and stuff like that. You also got access to all kinds of comic books and uh, they had an exclusive store where you could buy some exclusive merch and stuff like that, uh, all for a low monthly fee. Unfortunately, as we predicted with uh, the uh, unveiling of the HBO Max app and the news that a bunch of the content from D- DC Universe was going over there, they decided to pull the plug. So DC Universe is dead. However, DC Universe Infinite has been reborn from the ashes and apparently is going to be a more comic-centered app. So it's going to be the place, like uh, not unlike the Marvel app, where you can actually go and get a huge back catalog, see more content. So they've committed to doing more there. So I guess it's kind of a win-win. They're going to give people the continuation of, you can still watch Doom Patrol and Titans and Stargirl and some of the things that were on there that people were enjoying, but they're going to move those over to HBO. And then in this case, you can continue watch uh, the other kinds of stuff if you pick up this new Disney Universe Infinite app. Uh, apparently it hmm. is going to be changing in the new year, January. And so it's $8 a month or $75 a year. You get nearly every DC comic uh, in their back catalog. New issues come every their six months after publication in store. And they're actually going to go international with it finally, because that was one of my biggest uh, pet peeves was that they launched this app and they made their content available, but you couldn't get it up here. So I can't read their digital comics catalog. Uh, it's not has never been made available so the nice thing is you'll be able to do that up here the other nice thing is that they're doing it as an add-on service too so if you already have a subscription to this new disney uh, disney this new dc app you'll be able to add hbo max for five dollars a month if you were already a subscriber so they're bundling which is what we talked about so you'll end up saving i guess ten dollars a month all in if you have both of those in a, in a bundle so not not bad. I was kind of wondering if it was like one of these things where you bought books under under one umbrella, would you be able to get them under another one, right? So well, I'm not sure. So the way that the the unlimited stuff works is that you don't own it. You're essentially just it's like Netflix, right? You basically you can watch it, you can download it, you can take it with you, but it's not yours. Whereas uh, for Comicsology and things like that, you buy it, you own it, you can read it on multiple things like i can read stuff that i bought on comiXology on the dc uh app but that's because i actually own them but i can't i can't do the stuff that's on the unlimited stuff because it's not available in canada yeah it's like you know it's interesting you mentioned that because i do i know i have bought some comic book digital comic books over the years and i have no idea where they are how to get to them now that you know things have changed and apps have disappeared and what have you right so yeah and they used to offer a lot of them when they were first sort of trying some of the technology in the early 2000s they used to offer a lot of things uh just on websites and yeah free downloads and other stuff but yeah a lot of that stuff you know it just gets moved around and they change technologies and you know unless you sort of stay right on top of it you may as well just go get it again so how does this affect actual comic books itself like well obviously now we can't go to the comic book store because of covid well you certainly can comic book stores are still open i was uh at my local last week and i went to see a, a different store last weekend um the comic stores are still out there they need your business so you know everyone out there please go visit your local comic store and support them during this 
uh, and a lot of stores are doing like curbside pickup and things like that too. So even if you can't go in and browse, a lot of places are letting you browse. Basically, when you go in, they just ask that you disinfect your hands, you wear your mask while you're in there, uh, and you can go browse the back issues and do everything you'd normally do because you're you know more or less safe. Uh, but some are doing curbside pickup and things like that. If you don't want to expose yourself to those kind of uh, places, you can certainly you know arrange to they'll you know you pay for your books with your you know debit or credit card online or on uh, on the phone with them. And you can just drive up. They'll bring your books out, put them in your you know trunk, and you can drive away. So you used to have a box at one of the places you used to go to. Do you still do that? Like where you have a yep, yeah, a subscription. A lot of places call it a pull list. Issue? Yeah, you get right? a, you get a pull list. So basically, uh, some places have gone to a digital pull list where uh, there's a subscription. It's called um, League of Comic Dorks, I think, or something like that. League of uh, I'll have to look it up. We may have to to correct that. Actually, I can look. It. I have it right here. Um, but basically, the way they set it up is that you can go and um, get this stuff. Leagueofcomicgeeks.com is the one that works for the my local. Um, so shout out to Comic Connection in Oakville. Um, the way they have it set up is that you can go on uh, basically months ahead of time and basically click on everything you want to be put aside for you. That way they know how much to pre-order to make sure that it's they have enough copies and they can tell if something's hot. They can order a few extras so that they have some for the stands. And uh, they basically put them into a, yeah, you know, a bunch of boxes at the front of the store. And then, I mean, I've, I've known the uh, owner of my local store since we were both like 15 years old. So he knows me when I come in. And then they, you just say, hey, I want my, my last few months of books or weeks of books or however long it's been since the last visit. They drag them out and, you know, they're all pre, pre-saved for you. The bigger issue is, and we talked about this before, DC's sort of downsizing its editorial at its offices. You asked what this means for comics in general. You can still buy comics in the store and comics in the store are still sought after by a lot of collectors and readers. What this means in the big picture, I don't know. Maybe this is part of a, a bigger push to try and get more people to do digital comics and less people to do the collectible side and the reading side in physical copies. I'll be curious to see where it goes. I'm still not a huge fan of digital comics. I do have some and I and I have enjoyed reading some. But for me, part of it is the tactile experience. And I think maybe my generation might be the last that cares about that stuff. But it is still, for me, kind of part of the part of the fun. That being said, I have too I have too many comic books put aside, but still. I mean, like from a comic, from a like a business point of view, like like the whole magazine trade has fallen flat on its face, and yeah. we know what's going on with news journalism and stuff like that. But I mean, like like is it still a physical uh, service that people go and buy? I mean, like if you go to Fan Expo or whatever, it's like they're all over the place, and people are signing art and mm-hmm. signing books and stuff like that. I just wondered if the book market has dropped off significantly well there's been the a real sh- 20 years? there's been a shift over the last 20 years because originally it was you know it was serialized it was monthly you bought a comic once a month and it continued the story and you read it and it kept going and sometimes there were limited series and sometimes sometimes they were had been going for 70 years and you sort of jumped into the middle of it the i guess question is you know so things went from buying it month to month to a lot of people waiting for the collected editions which are sometimes referred to as trade paperbacks or you know collected editions omnibus or you know whatever you want to call them it's basically an entire storyline in one volume and that's where things shifted a little bit because not only was it easier for uh people to wait and not buy it month to month which kind of eats into your regular 
monthly comics, but it also means that places that are bookstores and online retailers could get into the market a lot more easily than they would on monthly issues where, you know, people have certain expectations of, of uh, promptness and everything else. You can build a huge warehouse catalog full of all these, you know, trade paperbacks and then pump them out. So that was a huge shift. The next huge shift may be to go from people waiting for that for, to people getting the Netflix type subscription services or the DC Universe Infinite or uh, Comixology or whatever it is um, where you get unfettered access for a certain amount per month just like you do on um you know any you know name apple music name any kind of service like that where you can access all the catalog and read whatever you want whenever you want and maybe that's where things go and maybe that's where the next generation of comic fans sort of comes to and and sort of develops their love but it again part of the thing of comics is it's twofold one it's a reading material two it's a collectible the collectible thing dies when you have the online stuff so are you shooting yourself in the foot you'd be killing an entire industry of you know resellers and book collectors and sell like all that stuff goes out i don't know if that whole world is ready to implode yet so thank you i'll put my soapbox away now all right Uh, Next one I've got is, so speaking of DC Universe, we got our first taste from DC Fandom of the Suicide Squad's second movie. And it looks really good. And they basically did a roll call showing off all these characters and the actors who are going to play them. And one of the ones that was kind of a surprise for people was John Cena is going to have an appearance in Suicide Squad as Peacemaker. Peacemaker, um, a bit of an obscure character, sort of, you know, some of us who are deep in the DC, you know, he was uh, an old Charlton comics character. DC bought all the Charlton characters rights that included Captain Adam, Blue Beetle, uh, Peacemaker. um, And they, absorbed them during uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths in 1986. They absorbed all those characters into the DC Universe so they could then continue those stories onward. Peacemaker was, even then, a little bit of an obscure character. The idea is that this person is such a an extreme pacifist that he resorts to violence to promote peace. Bit of a, <laughs> bit of a quandary on that one. Bit of a weird story. Um, so interesting that they were going to even include it in Suicide Squad, but what they've decided to do is... Coming next year to HBO Max, they're going to do a spin-off series starring John Cena as Peacemaker. He said to to, res- to resounding silence. It's it's very weird because it, it's putting a lot on the idea that this is going to be a breakout character for the movie. Yeah, and again, John Cena is very much, I think, liked. He has his own built-in audience, not unlike Dwayne Johnson from the WWE stuff. And, uh, yeah, maybe without seeing the movie, it's hard to say, but maybe he's got, you know, maybe he's a scene stealer. Maybe he's really great in that. And they were like, okay, great. Let's green light this interesting timing that they already announced. Apparently they haven't filmed anything yet. It's going to start filming next year and it's supposed to be out, uh, by the end of next year. But, uh, yeah, very strange choice of characters of all the things you thought they would spin out of that. I mean, it would make more sense to have done a, you know, the, the breakout stars from that first movie were, you know, Harley Quinn, uh, Deadshot. Um, even you know Captain Boomerang was a bit of a, a scene stealer in some of those things, um, so a bit of a strange choice. But again, maybe John Cena and his sort of star power is enough to propel this into something good. Next up, uh, some sad news, and um, yeah, this one was a strange one because I didn't know much about this person, and in spite of a pretty prodigious career, so. We had a, a death this this week. Uh, it was a man named Ron Cobb. 
And Ron Cobb was a designer for a lot of movies. He was a, an underground cartoonist uh, who sort of caught on and started doing some work on some different um, science fiction projects over the years. So his obituary is up on Hollywood Reporter. We'll have it in our show notes. So he is responsible for designing several of the characters for the Star Wars Cantina, most notably the character that uh, those of us who are old enough know as Hammerhead, um, who, who definitely he got a name later on in the uh, alternate canon and stuff like that. Uh, he also worked on uh, Alien. He designed the ship in Alien. He designed the, the look of the time machine for Back to the Future. He um, worked on worked with Steven Spielberg on some of the concepts for E.T. that uh, eventually um, sort of sort of changed how that story was told. He worked on The Abyss. He worked on Close Encounters, including the design of the inside of the mothership. He worked on True Lies, Last Starfighter. He worked on uh, Conan the Barbarian. I mean, this guy was everywhere in science fiction and fantasy in the 1970s, 80s, and 90s. Um, and yeah, again, one of those people I didn't know that much about when we read this this uh, obituary talking about how, you know, he was influential and working on all these things to, you know, sort of be the the visionary behind all this stuff it's amazing um he unfortunately passed away this week he had um dementia and he was 83 years old and uh for somebody who i didn't know i know uh know a lot more about him and i'm a lot uh, sadder for his loss because this guy brought a lot of stuff to us yeah it looks familiar yeah it's uh, i can't recall what it was someone in one of the comments and one of the boards i was on said um he is one of the special features I'll try and find it he is in one of the special features things for one of the um movies and they said like his insight into like how things were designed and why they were done and everything else was utterly fascinating and so now I'm, I'm really keen to look it up but uh but yeah this guy had such a like i mean think to have designed or worked on one of those things would have been remarkable to design all those things that is an astonishing astonishing career yeah for sure for sure especially i mean the nostromo was such an interesting ship too right from the very beginning absolutely and again except the, for the fact where they, where they except for the fact where they wore the masks and they were not plugged into anything well well, yeah. But, uh, and, uh, yeah, and then the time machine and Back to the Future is one of the most iconic things in all of pop yeah, culture. Oh, yeah. Like, yep. that is, that's huge. That's massive. So, yeah, for sure. Rest in peace, our man Ron Cobb. Yep. Australian. All righty. Well, I guess it's, I, since you guys have been canceling all these shows, I just, I, I can't just leave it alone. So, <laughs> um, here's my cancellation Star Trek Four is canceled. Again? And Paramount is saying that they're not going to be making any Star Trek, no, no longer. This is what the headline says No longer making Star Trek movies. No longer is a long time. That That is a so, long time. Yeah. It sounds permanent. Sounds, does sound permanent. But I think, is this all around the fact that Chris Pine doesn't want to come back or what the story is? Well, they've been talking about this for a while that there was a lot of sort of different pushes and pulls there was some talk they were going to do the tarantino rumored version right yeah there was some talk that they were going to do a continuation of the chris pine zach kinto stuff and they really couldn't seem to get it together and it sounded like at one point they were really close to a deal to to do more i know um uh, Simon Pegg had been really involved and, and were doing some writing, but uh, and then the last thing they were talking about was Noah Hawley, the guy who did um, um, oh, what's the name of that weird show? Well, he did uh, Fargo. Noah Hawley did the Fargo television show and then he did that one with the uh, it was the X-Men spinoff. Oh, guys, I'm drawing a blank. Help me out. The one where he has like this, the he's in the mental patient. Oh, 
All right, you can delete all this. I'm going to look it up. Is it Legion? Legion. Thank you very much. Mm. Legion. Yes. So, which, again, was a real, like, bizarro show. Really excellent, but really weird. So mm. I was kind of keen to have seen what he was going to bring to the Star Trek universe. But apparently that's now out the window, too. So hard to say if this is a good or a bad thing. I It would have been nice if they could have at some point reconciled the whole split timeline uh you know what does it all mean kind of thing because there is this now sort of just hanging out there the whole original timeline kelvin timeline you know yeah and and it didn't really end in a terribly satisfactory way after the last star trek movie it wasn't like that was like and done with the wrath of conversion no they did that uh oh no no yeah yeah they did the goofy one yeah right (laughs) goofy one yes with them with the mic with the the, the, um motorcycles and yes yeah the one by the guy from Mm -hmm. who did the Mm -hmm. fast and furious right is that who that was? I think so. Wasn't it the Fast and Furious guy? That's why I had the motorcycles. Yeah. Yeah. It was silly. It was kind of. It was kind of like uh, what was that? Insurrection was that the one where Data goes bananas? Yes. Yes. Because that's the one where they are like trying to protect that planet and. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember watching that one in the theater, thinking this is a TV show. Yeah. On, on the big screen, you know. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, very so. unsatisfying that one. Didn't really have one way or the other. It was just sort of yeah. Let's make a movie because we can make movies. Yeah. Was that the one? Was that after? the one with um the new james bond uh, uh with picard and and his clone oh tom hardy clone. tom hardy yeah uh no tom hardy was the last one that was the final okay. nemesis was the last one yeah so it was generations first contact insurrection and nemesis were the four did i drop a spoiler when i mentioned james bond uh well I, do you know something and we don't know has that been made official I, i'm surprised you don't know tom hardy was announced as the new james bond or is, is rumored to be oh see yeah soon. rumored rumored i heard i hadn't heard concrete yeah 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 have you got have you got an inside tip do you know no no i just this this i heard this like last week did he did he put on a mask to do the delivery of it is is he's gonna be wearing a mask while he mumbles his way through bond lines too don't know i don't know All right. Anyway. Hey, look where we are. We are at the moment of truth. We are at the point of the show where we start to talk about Star Trek Lower Decks, Season 1, Episode 8, Veritas. So this week, Jonathan's going to do the play-by-play, so we'll just sit back, relax. Here comes the drill. (laughs) Jonathan, take it away. I don't know that being referred to as the drill, but here we go. Uh, So this episode uh, was was busy. Lots of stuff going on in this one, but really well done, I think. we started off uh, in the cold open where our gang of Lower Decks crew, uh, Mariner, Boimler, Tendi, and Rutherford are finding themselves in this alien dungeon and they're not sure why they're there or what's happening. They say they saw the bridge crew get taken to a separate room and uh, <laughs> they're all sort of speculating on what they could, you know, what could have been that led them to getting stuck in this circumstance. Tendi thinks she's in there for replicating too much ice and that maybe the bridge crew also replicated too much ice. Uh, and yeah, it's a sort really of like size. Yeah, really yeah. like size. It's a very uh, sort of weird cold open because you're sort of like, what's happening? You're like being thrust into the middle of an episode, and then we cut to the uh, the opening credits. And when we pop back from that, uh, the platform that they're on in this dungeon elevates them up and puts them in the middle of this room. And you immediately get these vibes, this these Star Trek six vibes. Right? It feels very much like the scene where Kirk and uh, McCoy are brought before the Klingon trial 
jail for uh, killing the chancellor, right? They're banging things, the monster, rumbling voices, dark lighting. It seems very foreboding. And it has very much that same ambiance of the, the, the sort of sham trial that they were being put on. And they look up and they see the bridge crew. The, the senior officers are all being suspended in this beam. And Mariner says immediately, well, this must be a trial. Uh, this alien comes out and immediately the first word out of his mouth, you're like, oh, my, there he is. It's Kurtwood Smith, uh, who we mm-hmm. knew was going to be on an episode this season. Uh, Kurtwood Smith, again, of course, most famously, probably that 70s show, the dad on that 70s show. Um, and for the rest of us, he was the chancellor um, of the Federation in Star Trek Six, another Star Trek Six callback. And but his his voice sounds so um, comic cartoony. Like, well, he's, uh, he's like definitely know... going over the top on it. He's he's playing it big. Well, I looked I looked at his at his profile, and he's done a lot of voiceover work. So because he he definitely sounded like those you know those stock guys who did the seventies voiceovers and stuff like yep. that. And yep. you know, meanwhile back mm-hmm, at the mm-hmm. meanwhile you know, at the Hall of Justice, at the Hall of Justice, yeah, those kind of voices, <laughs> right. right? So yeah, yeah, he yeah, does have one of those voices. Yeah, because I I kind of I didn't didn't immediately uh, clue in that it was Kirkwood Smith. In fact, not until I saw the credits, but but I did realize that it was sort of that warm you know glass of warm milk and cookies mm-hmm. kind of familiar feeling, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah. definitely familiar. It definitely feels like somebody you've known for a long time. Yeah, exactly. So he uh, this alien comes out and he's got an eye patch and he's kind of scary looking and he you hear this sort of banging that's like you know metal against metal. He's banging this sort of gavel type thing and he says you know hey uh you know i brought forward you to be witnesses to speak truth about your senior officers and uh you know the immediately the question pops out what's the difference between witnessing and just looking at something um he says you have to speak into the horn of candor one of our most sacred horns and you must only speak the truth and so he wants to know about these certain star dates. So he starts with Mare and he starts grilling her and he says, you know, uh, you were on the bridge of the Cerritos when they made contact with the clicket ship Twirk. And so Mariner starts explaining her story, what happened on Stardate 57818.4. And she says, we were in the repair bay. Yeah, point four. Very menacing. Uh, We were in the repair bay and they were having a discussion. They're talking about who was the biggest all-time badass. (laughs) And Boimler says, well, clearly it's Rogadanar. And Mariner's not having it. Oh, you're talking about Rogadanar. So, of course, immediately I'm like, I know that name. I know that name. Where do I know that name from? So I popped it into Google, Rogadanar. I'm like, oh, there it is. It's from TNG Season 3. It's the episode The Hunted. And it's about those guys hmm. who were trained to be the perfect warriors. They chemically altered them, everything else. And he's so he's the guy who was like the one who kept evading uh, capture. And then he the his people were going to apply for federation citizenship but you know in the end they basically leave them to sort out their own squabbles and he ends up being this you know sort of thorn in in them getting into the federation so he is a badass but as pointed out immediately after that uh you know mariner says con come on con dude dude was the space seed uh which again nice nice callback uh tendy says oh i want to when i come back in a second i want to talk about con's thick thick chest (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, but I got to pee. But I gotta pee. <laughs> 
so great. I mean, just a great sub-reference of a sub-reference of like obscurity and like yeah, deep cuts, real deep cuts. Star Apparently Trek that stuff. really was his chest, believe well, it or not. I mean, I had no doubt. I mean, come on. Ricardo Maltzaman, dude was a beast. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Tendi goes to the door because she's going to walk out and she's going to go to the bathroom and it's a red alert. And then she comes back and says, uh, guys, it seems like there's a red alert. And they're like, no, no, if there's a red alert, the, the alarms be going off. And Rutherford says, well, yeah, especially because I changed the speakers in here so it'd be extra loud so we'd know definitely when there was a red alert and they went oh rutherford you mess with the you mess with the speakers they open the door to the to the uh repair bay and sure enough everybody else is like scrambling around getting to their posts and they're like oh no what are we gonna do so boimler and mariner of course have bridge duties they're like oh no we're gonna get in trouble we were late we're you know like we gotta run up to the bridge you have to the bridge mariner says listen you know it's gonna be fine don't panic boimler we're gonna be fine just whatever go in there and just agree with whatever the captain says and we'll, you know, we'll be fine. And she has a great line where she says, you know, listen, do you want to get us in trouble? Do you want to get us kicked out of Starfleet? We'll have to go back to Earth and uh, we'll all have to live on Earth where there's nothing to do except drink wine and hang out at vineyards and soul food restaurants, which again is a nice, <laughs> nice dig. Mm-hmm. At, <laughs> and of course, you know, this seems like she's right. Like the only times they went back to Earth in t- TNG and Deep Space Nine were those are the two. And the movies. And and the movies. That's where they seem to go. So uh, so they end up on the bridge and the uh, captain, uh, Captain Freeman is saying, you know, well, the, the clickets attacked them after she thanked them for uh, giving them a map of the neutral zone, the Romulan neutral zone. And while she's talking about this, Mariner and Boiler sneak in and slide into their seats at the front of the bridge. And the captain says, Mariner, it says to Mariner, I want your opinion. And she says, oh, you know exactly what to do, captain. And you just, you go with your gut. And then, so the captain says, Boimler, I want options. And he goes, uh, Shaq slams his fist down. <laughs> Come on, man, this is your chance. Prove you belong up here. He goes, well, I guess it would be, it would be captain's choice. She says, don't kiss my ass. He says, there are no, she says, there are no wrong answers. He says, well, how about evasive maneuver 88? And the doctor looks and says, is he effing serious? And beep. Uh, the captain says... There were a lot of beeping in this show. Yeah, the sure. captain says, that's the wrong answer. After, like 10 seconds after saying there's no wrong answers. He goes, uh, how about 84? <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, how about impulse drive to a crazy Ivan? Ransom looks at him and says, son, now you're just embarrassing yourself. Uh, again, really nice, just Boimler stuttering and muttering his way through his, you know, experience, trying not to, you know, explode at getting taken to school. Uh, so the captain says, never mind. Mariner, send our friends a message. And Mariner says, I got this, and fires a blast, uh, a phaser blast right underneath the, the, uh, the ship and the captain says what the hell what the what are, you, what are you doing i said i said to send them a message to invite them to dinner everybody knows what that that's what that means <laughs> you're supposed to invite them to dinner just, no no it's not nobody knows that that's not a thing so of course the uh the clickets respond by firing at the bridge and then we snap back to the trial where the alien interrupts, the Kurtwood Smith alien interrupts and says, I don't believe that the command crew wouldn't know what's happening 
on their ship at all times. Just, like, forget about that. I want to know about the map. I want to know about this map you mentioned. And Mariner says, well, I don't know anything about that. So she he picks her up, he hoists her up and says, you're going to be placed into the Tank of Contempt, which is this bubbling tank filled with eels. And Boimler jumps in front of the, in front of the horn and says, no, 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 we didn't see any map. And he says, fine, Mariner can go uneeled. So Tendi is seeming a little squirmy. She's seeming a little nervous, but we're not sure why yet. So then the alien calls Rutherford, who he refers to as Samanthan Rutherford. I didn't know if we knew Samanthan was his name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We did not because I, I wrote that down. It stuck out to me as well. Yeah. And he says, you tell me what happened on Stardate 57791.1. And so he says, you know, I was downstairs doing this work and Shax and Billups, the chief engineer, show up and they say, uh, does your implant have Romulan flight manuals and repair info? And he says, no, but, you know, I, in order to do that, I need to do an update. And they said, you've got to do it now. We need you right now. And he says, no, well, actually, I prefer to do it when I'm sleeping. And it, we order you. You've got to do this right now. And he says, okay, fine. I'll set it up. So he starts setting it up. And he has like a 30-second countdown. And they said, oh, by the way, do you have all your shots? You know, you got to be careful. You're going to get Denobulin flesh-eating bacteria on your... Pu- <laughs> and he says, wait, what? He says, oh, yeah, you got to be really careful with that. It'll eat right through your underpants. And just as he's sort of starting to freak out, he blacks out as his his implant reboots itself. Wakes up sometime later, he's in a shuttle and he's in disguise as a Vulcan, including a weird metallic ear stuck to the side of his implant, which is hilarious. And there's two almost naked Vulcans lying on the floor. And Shax is patting him on the shoulder saying, good job giving that Vulcan neck pinch to those Vulcans, baby bear. I don't know why he calls him baby bear. I don't know if that's a throwback to the part where he was trying out for the security team uh, in a previous episode or where where that comes from. But it made me laugh so hard that he calls him Baby Bear. Uh, So he says, we're headed for the museum. And he's, you know, Rutherford's freaked out. He's disoriented. He's not sure what's happening. And he says, "Okay, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. So they basically push him out the door with with a parachute on and like, you know, send him down towards this museum. And of course, he blacks out again. Pops back to to consciousness. He's in the museum and he's standing underneath a vintage Romulan bird of prey. Uh, bird of prey? War bird? What did he say? Bird of prey? Or bird of I think he's a bird of prey is what I heard. Yeah. And uh, he's, he is standing there and Shax is climb, shimmying up the leg of this thing trying to get in. And he says, you know, careful we don't draw attention to ourselves. And the guard comes around the corner and says, hey, you've drawn attention, drawn my attention. And he says, what am I supposed to do now? He says, do the fan dance. So he's holding these feathers and does the fan dance, which is, uh, that's Ahura's thing, right? Isn't that what Ahura did in uh, Star Trek V? Yeah. yeah. The, the, the sort of cheesy fan dance. So he's trying to do the fan dance. Of course, he doesn't know what the heck he's doing. He's like, you know, waving these fans around. And the guard's like, what are you even doing? And he's like, hey, you're distracting me. Hey, you're distracting me. Uh, then, of course, he's his, his uh, implant, you know, pops in again, blacks out again. He wakes up and he's standing in open space and he says, why am I standing in space? And turns out he's standing on top of the cloaked ship and uh, he looks over to his one side and he sees Billups and Billups is acting really weird. And Billups says, oh, no, look out. Mark Twain's got a gun. No, the garbage bag's behind you, Tasha. No. So he's clearly, again, deep cutting TNG episodes. I'm not sure where those came from. Turns out he's got nitrogen intoxication. So he's he's basically running out of, uh, of air to his brain. 
And so they drag him aboard this ship, and or is it, is it under the shuttle or is it under the ship? Is it under the Bird of Prey? Bird of Prey, I think. Yeah. So, so and then Shax helps him on board. And then, of course, his thing starts to kick in again. It says, now loading Klingon funds. He goes, why would I even need those? And it blacks out again. And he wakes up, and he's standing at what seems to be a wedding ceremony. And he walks up, he starts walking forward, and they all the guests and and the the bride and groom turn around and look at him, and it's a Gorn wedding, Gorn wedding. And then he blacks. He says, he says, you know, oh, get me out of this implant. And he taps his implant, hoping his implant's going to save him as he's getting mauled by the Gorns. And it turns off and turns back on like five seconds later, and he's still getting mauled by the Gorns. So all this is going on. All of a sudden, he sort of snaps back, snaps back into the trial again. And the Kurtwood's uh, alien is still saying, you know, I don't want to know anything about a Gorn wedding. I don't care about Gorn weddings. I want to know about the details of this theft of the bird of prey. And Rutherford says, well, I don't know. I'm, t- I'm telling you everything I know. And he says, well, that's it. Into the eels with you. So he, again, hovers him above the eels. Tendi jumps in. It's Tendi's turn. And she's excited. She's like, oh, I totally want to. I've always wanted to testify. So he says, uh, did you and, and Commander Ransom go into the Romulan neutral zone? And she's like, I can't say. It's a classified mission. And so he says, you know, threatens he's going to, you know, drop everybody in the eels. So she's, okay, fine, I'll tell you. But I'm going to have to edit certain things out because it's a classified mission. So she gets the assignment. She says she gets the assignment to clean the conference room. She's really excited. She gets to go clean the conference room. And Mariner, of course, says, you know, all you're going to be doing is cleaning cat hair off the chair, off the, the chairs, of course, a reference to the doctor. And she says, no, that's going to be great. So she goes up. And she's happily, in her very happy, tendy way, cleaning stuff off the chairs and so excited that this is the captain's chair and this is the doctor's chair. And and then into the door and through the door burst uh, Ransom and three burly commandos all dressed in black. And they say, oh, are you the cleaner? And she says, I am. I am the cleaner. And they're like, well, we're glad you're here. It's time to talk about our classified mission. And uh, so they met, he, Ransom basically says, we've got this map. The map's going to lead them into the neutral zone. And there's a very funny bleep in there where they're trying to bleep out neutral zone, but they completely miss, I guess, on purpose. Um, because she, I guess she's trying to censor herself and doesn't. I don't know why that is done like that, but it's very funny. Uh, Tendi is sort of basically wrapped up. They throw her a, a, a phaser rifle and are like, great, we can't wait to have you come on this mission. And so they basically draft her into this mission where she clearly doesn't belong. She ends up on this ship, uh, which turns out it's going to, it's it's the Bird of Prey. And she's on there and they're all decked out in their, you know, spy gear, like uh, the previous episode where they're wearing the little you know, black skull caps. And and um, she's trying to figure out how she can tell them that she's not the cleaner and the, the uh, Andorian, right? It's the Andorian uh, commando keeps saying, interrupting her and saying, the Romulans are scanning us. Okay. Uh, well, what were you saying? Oh, never mind. The Romulans are scanning us again. Oh, uh, sorry. What are you going to say? Oh, never mind. The Romulans are scanning us again. And it just keeps the more and more of these warships keep showing up and, and scanning at them. Uh, it turns out their mission is to Romulus. And they get to the Romulan. Uh, they, they go down to the planet. They're sneaking into this building for who knows what. And a uh, little funny, funny uh, inter- exchange between uh, a couple of the guards who, you know, you know who I hate? Remans. Uh, they, they... Commandos all go into the room and they say, you stay here, cleaner. You guard our six. She says, six what? Commandos uh, come back bursting through the door and uh, they're being chased by a bunch of, you know, badass Romulan warriors all firing phasers. And they're like, you know, okay, do your thing. And she's like, do my thing. What am I supposed to do? Oh, yeah. And she starts like wailing on these Romulans. She's kicking them all over, you know, martial arts, kicking them all over the place. And... 
they said, why is she doing that? She was her, her purpose of being here was supposed to beam us out, not to, you know, kick these guys butts. All of a sudden, hard cut. We go right back to the to the trial. The alien says, you did not do martial arts on multiple armed guards. She says, you're right. I didn't. And she winks at him. And he says, okay, today didn't have to end in eels, but she picks her up and is going to drop her and Mariner and Rutherford into the thing full of eels. Spoosh, down they go. And then they turn on the burners. So there's burners boiling the water and there's eels in the water. And he says, what was in the package? What was in the package you got from the Romulan you know, building? And the water's boiling and the eels start screaming. I think you're hurting the eels. So he says, tell me what the bridge crew did. And Boimler grabs the horn and says, we can't. We can't tell you what they did because we don't know. We never know anything. So he hoists the three of them out of the eel tank and Boimler basically goes into his soliloquy and he says, we're lower decks. No one ever tells us what's going on. And the alien says, you know... That's lies. There's no way that they don't know what's going on. They're, they're perfect. Your, your bridge crew is, you know, these amazing, perfect people. And he says, no, 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 no. They mess up all the time. Boimler says, they mess up all the time. Like when Q shows up. So finally we get our long-awaited appearance of Q, which we were dying after that little tease uh, at Star Trek Day. When are we going to see Q? And so John Delancey as Q in his regalia from the uh, encounter at Farpoint, first episode of TNG, pops onto the bridge of the Cerritos and he beams out the bridge crew, a snap of a finger, and they find themselves wearing chess pieces uh, as outfits and they're standing on a chessboard across from playing cards. The ch- the uh, the playing cards have hockey sticks. There's a soccer ball on the board and there's a set of football goalposts behind them. And Q, Q basically says, you know, like, now this is, let's settle the, you know, the, you know, our humanity worthy question of whether our humanity is worthy and they're like what is what even game what game are we even supposed to be playing here (laughs) oh it's (laughs) soccer and then the soccer ball gets up arms and legs pop out of it and it starts singing at them they're like okay that's weird and then boimler continues to elaborate he says and like when ransom has his dates with these completely unresearched people and so he's at the bar and he's chatting up this attractive blonde at the bar on the ship and mariner leans over and says you know that that's a salt vampire and he goes no no, it's not a salt vampire. And of course it is a salt vampire. Ah! Oh, yeah. um, then, you know, and like the doctor and the doctor is coming onto the bridge of the, of what looks like the Cerritos. She runs across and says, you know, captain, captain, I've been going around the ship and all kinds of people and nobody knows what I am. I think we may have gone into an alternate universe. And of course it's all of the bridge crew, including uh, Mariner and Boimler, but all slightly different looking. And he says, did you get on the wrong ship? This is the Alhambra. And you know, oh damn it she can't, she can't, all these ships look the same so we cut back and these are all great say very funny goofy over the top segues I, like the the boimler character looks like a mosquito like it's just it's so over the top and we cut back to the the trial and the alien is just fuming and he's just saying you know no 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 the bridge crew are perfect they don't need that and boimler says no 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 they're not perfect and it's okay we all joined starfleet we wanted to embrace the unknown like like do you think picard knew about the borg do you think kirk knew about the giant spock on phylos do you think dr crusher knew about that ghost in the lamp thing from that scottish planet that she hooked up with hooked up with that one time which is the best burn this show's done so far because that episode is horrible <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh you know 
He says, you know, whatever the bridge crew did, I'm sure they did it for good. This trial is a sham. And the alien says, this isn't a trial. What makes you think this is a trial? This is a party. And he turns on the lights and there's balloons and there's ribbons and it's, it looks like a child's birthday party. He says, it's a party for the crew that rescued me from the Romulans. And they cut to the to the Cerritos previously and they, they open up the container that they got off of the, out of the Romulan uh, uh, fort that they were in and they say, well, welcome aboard Imperium Magistrate Klar. And he says, oh, thank you so much for saving me. I was in prison there for a year. He said, I have to take you back to Ketuvan Prime to celebrate uh, so that you guys can have your great deeds etched into this history stone. And he so he says, how did you think this? How could you even think this was a trial? And they're like, you have our crew held in midair in the scary ass beam. He says, no, no, no. This is the beam of celebration. And Philip says, we are so honored to be up here in this beam. Uh, he says, no, no, no. This is Alien Trial 101. You've got this creepy ass building. He says, this is one of our nicest silos. I have my wedding here. Uh, he says, what about that guy up there? This that creepy judge type. And he says, no, no, no. I'm actually, I was just here early. I'm here to set up for my daughter's birthday. She's turning 100. Uh, and then in comes, I, I guess the manager of the facility comes in and says, okay, Clar, your 22 minutes are up. Again, a nice funny reference to the length of TV shows. Your 22 minutes are up. Uh, you're going to have to go. And he says, you know, oh no, but we had, we didn't even get to do any etching. He says, uh, you know, uh, you ruined my party. And so they cut back to the ship. They're back on the Cerritos. And the lower decks crew are there with the bridge crew. And the captain says, you know, I've been thinking about what you guys were saying. And maybe we need to work on more transparency. We need to have a little more openness here. So from now on, I'm going to try and keep you guys in the loop. They said, great, great. Um, so we have some questions. So why was Clara a prisoner of the Romulans to begin with? He goes, she goes, well, um, so when, why, if you knew that this was a party, did you let him hurt us with eels? She says, well, actually that's, you know, we didn't want to interrupt. Ransom says, we didn't want to interrupt their, their customs. And so who was it that was on that infiltration team? And why did they have to steal the ship? Why didn't they just borrow it? And Captain finally loses her temper and says, listen, it's all classified. Everything is classified. We're not going to tell you any of this. Now get out. And they're like, fine it's fine we didn't care anyways and as they're walking down the hallway boimler says you know i knew that wasn't even a trial and mariner says well if you knew it wasn't a trial why were you crying he says i have sensitive corneas you know that and q appears in his usual flash of light and right in front of the lower decks crew and says i challenge you to a duel choose your weapons i pick the mind and mariner who's clearly on her last wit says Get out of here, Q. We're done with random crap today. Why don't you go bug Picard? He says, aw, Picard's no fun. He's always quoting Shakespeare. He's always making wine. And then we fade to black. What a funny, goofy, hilarious, mm -hmm. Star Trek loaded episode this was. Oh, and the bleepy bleep bleeping. Oh, absolutely. Bleep, bleep bleeping was really, really well timed. Uh, this was, uh, again, it was, it was packed. What a dense episode. I, I'm sorry if my... my uh, recap was long, but there was so much packed into this episode. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like all the digressions, all the little characters, the references. There was there was so much stuff in there. Um, you know, ref they must have referenced like you know ten different things that were you know from previous movies, episodes, and everything else. And then yeah, but oh, so even funny. the helmet that the guy was wearing in the in the the guard that was being distracted that was a Vulcan helmet yeah. from the a mock time. Yeah. you know that uh, Bach went through. Yep, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, what'd you think of this one? I thought it was great uh, for a couple different things. It, it had uh, some stuff that was, you know, it, it, in this modern era of smartphones and stuff where you, you try to do updates and it reboots and hangs like several <laughs> times. It's like, Klingon fonts, why would I need that? It was like, had me, you know, burst out laughing. It's like, why is it, why does it need to, you know, reboot and therefore knock me out just for that? That doesn't seem necessary. And the 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 other part i liked was um you know if you follow uh, any criticism of the show uh, whether it's this particular show or discovery or picard this episode felt like it was about turning directly to the camera and addressing <laughs> criticisms about like look these individuals didn't know these things they weren't perfect they didn't act perfect they didn't have all the information that the audience has which uh can definitely apply to this as an individual show and also the star trek franchise as a whole mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah no it's, it's very meta very meta this one yeah i mean again win 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 all over the place here again very funny episode each of the characters gets a nice little little bump in the episode uh again perfectly illustrates the whole lower decks concept right like we we just work here we just work here we're not the ones that make decisions we just work here and yeah. again to get kurtwood smith who's again a great great actor and a great voice actor clearly um mixed in with you know again adding john delancey as a cameo as q i mean this and the gorn wedding like there's just there's so much so much mm-hmm. to laugh at in this episode uh, but I mean, the, the subtle things like like when they get to the bridge and they're in, in the turbo lift um mariner buttons up her neck which she never she always has her yeah. her uniform undone sort of thing right yeah. so but she doesn't roll down her sleeves because she refuses to because her mom wants her to right right <laughs> i forgot about that yeah she got in trouble for she that got in trouble for that once that's right um yeah yeah because that's what ransom puts her in the brig right for not uh taking yeah. rolling down her sleeves rolling down her sleeves the the doctor crusher order. burn though was the funniest thing i laughed and xavier was looking at me like i was mental like he just i was like <laughs> i just couldn't stop laughing because it's yeah, such a yeah. wicked burn that all of us who are old school tng fans were like yes a hundred percent yes on that thing that was the most confounding episode maybe of the entire tng run we are like yeah. what is even happening here like why i'm sure even gates mcfadden kind of wondered about that uh, one too. yeah I, I i don't know how that one even made it to the two you know let's make this into a show but oh yeah but uh yeah to have thrown that in with like you know picard and the borg and and kirk and spock and and then to do that one was such a wicked burn yeah yeah all right two episodes to go this season seems to have flown by wow yeah sure but i'm so very happy to know that already they're they're working on a season two and I hope this runs for a long time because I love this show. I'm, I'm already a hundred percent. Well, in. it's funny. Yeah, you're right because I mean, it's it's funny because like like Star Trek takes itself way too seriously, yep. right? Yeah, it's so earnest. And it's so earnest. Yeah, yeah. And so this is this is such a sort of you know tongue firmly planted in cheek kind of shot at itself, right? Yeah. So yeah, but it's about time. You know, like this is, seems like it's long overdue for for them to take a bit of the starch out and and just realize that for some people, yeah, of course it's it's a job, it's a thing to do. It's not their you know life and you know everything in the everything it's you know for some people it's oh man i have to wipe the cat hair off the doctor's chair or even or even the the, the voice of the real on the on the, the substitute ship the voice of the doctor who looks at the cat doctor when yeah. is the same person's voice <laughs> yeah. right like oh, no, just subtle things like again that. it's the it's the male version of uh of captain freeman yeah. with the goatee where you're supposed to yeah. just for a second you look at it and you're like oh is it an alternate universe thing with and the then locks and, and then you look yeah. at the rest of them and you're like, oh, I get what's going on here. <laughs> 
Because you barely see them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And what was the name of the ship that she mentioned? La Horna or something? Or, uh, or I, wrote, I wrote it down in here. Alhambra is what Al- I Al- Alhambra, see. Yeah. yeah. We have a translation for Alhambra? A palace and fortress complex located in Granada in Spain. There you go. Alhambra is? Or Alhambra? Alhambra is. Alhambra, well, but, but, the right? But was it a California class ship? Maybe it's a place in California. I moved it right <laughs> All right, look up Alhambra. You're getting real-time follow-up here, kids. We're, we're, we're digging in. There is a Alhambra, California. Where is that? Where are you? Uh, Los Angeles area. There you go. You'll find out that's where uh, uh, the show's creator lives or something. There'll be some little subtle after reference. I really, yeah. I, I hope at some point mm-hmm. they do a behind the scenes kind of thing with this or a, or a commentary or something. This one seems like it would be amazing if you could get like the DVD box set with the, the, the commentary mm-hmm. on and stuff. Just all the behind the scenes, you know, people talking about this stuff. Because it seems like it would be a hoot. Even that stuff from Star Trek Day when they just had the, the stars and the creator uh, around doing a, like a round table it was really fun and funny. They clearly all like each other and have a good time and you, you get that vibe in the show, but it definitely, it seems like uh, it would be a fun crew to just have them sit around and, and uh, talk about the work. Yeah, and they seem to have a lot of fun with the voiceover work that they're doing, so very expressive. Tendi's turning out to be a really interesting character. Yeah, I feel like there's more to her. I feel like they're, they've sort of dipped into her a little bit mm-hmm. but i feel like she's still a little untapped they, they have obviously spent a little more time with mariner and boimler who are sort of boimler. the the a pairing versus rutherford and tendy but um but yeah i agree i think she's an interesting character that i think they can do more with well it's definitely sort of that same sort of formula as you know um big bang theory kind of with the four in this case there's four people instead of five but but that same sort of you know um leonard and sheldon and uh howard and raj yeah, or the friends people you know the divided by two whatever minus minus two right yeah so. yeah yeah there's, there's definitely seems to be a little more sort of prominent again tawny newsom and jack Quaid are the you know the one two on the the credits list too right yeah so i guess there's sort of that titch above but um yep. but yeah i think it's good that they've been giving them all like they really have sort of built on the characters too like even with rutherford the, the little throwaway scene where he's he's setting up when he gets you know called to go on that mission where he's downstairs and he's rotating the i can't remember what he said he was wrote he's rotating eps yeah he's, he, and he's like yeah. gotta rotate them otherwise and he starts singing a song to himself again it all fits with the character that they've established already for the first seven or eight episodes or that he fixed he fixed the the red alert sirens yeah, and, yeah. and that's when they all look at him and go oh of course yeah that's why we're not hearing it yeah so yeah again it's definitely it's building on these on these sort of characters that they're establishing and they, they're definitely getting some more depth and you can understand their motivations a little better like they it, they're it's funny because you could look at this show and think well it is you know it is just meant to be sort of a joke a minute and it's meant to be uh very light but they are still doing a good job of establishing these characters as interesting and valuable mm-hmm. characters yeah yeah sure and they and you know typical uh, mariner they don't put up with q kind of you know <laughs> attitude yeah. like even he even he can influence them right yeah i just i loved the the whiny q at the end where he's like oh picard's no fun oh, come on yeah. yeah 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 that was funny for sure yeah. can't wait to see what they do right. two more episodes to go yeah well we'll see i wonder if we end with like just an episode or if we end with some sort of you know uh star trek traditional you know tease for a bigger thing if it'll just end cold 
older if it'll end with a where do we go well, next? Did they do teases on the other series? Because they they did um, the original series. Obviously, they didn't because that wasn't how TV worked back then. But no, and they didn't do it every season for TNG or or the other shows. Although it got they had more, a little cutest crossover, right? Yeah, it got more common in in some of the other series, and then they've certainly done that since the sort of latest generation of shows. Disco has ended on cliffhangers, and um, Picard doesn't so much end on a cliffhanger as it ends on a right. sort of a new beginning or a new footstep forward. Yeah, yeah. So it's hard to say. I mean, you could make a case that it probably would be better if they just sort of told a story, finished the story, and said come back next year. But who knows? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Let's move on to a watch list. What do you got? Who's Truth Seeker? That's that me. You? Sorry, I forgot to put my name next to it. Uh, Truth Seeker. So the trailer came out this week for a new series. Uh, it's coming to, uh, we want to say Amazon Prime called Truth Seekers, and it is uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. So, Oh, yes, right, yes. Simon Pegg and Nick Frost have gotten to that point in my life where I will watch anything that they do Yeah, because I love them so very much. They are both really, really smart, really, really funny, and are not afraid to just go crazy on shows uh, or movies or whatever else. So anytime they're going to get those two together, they have me. The latest show, uh, which is coming on October 30th, is a... uh, It looks like it's sort of a... um, bit of a mashup of genres it's kind of uh like a ghost huntery kind of thing where it looks like they're sending out uh nick frost goes out and does these like installations of i'm guessing internet services but then he gets sort of wrapped up in this mystery of you know uh being able to speak to ghosts and sort of ghost hunting it's a little bit strange it's a little bit hard to follow um In typical them fashion, though, it looks very funny. Uh, Simon Pegg wearing a really hilarious toupee and uh, Nick Frost with his big crazy beard and just dropping one-liners like they're, you know, uh, going out of style. And uh, yeah, I I saw the first trailer for this this week. I must admit it hadn't been on my radar. I think at some point I knew that the two of them were working on a project, but it had completely slipped through. So when I saw this trailer this week, and especially the fact that it's coming out in like about a month, I was very excited. So uh, we got the link in the show notes give it a look it is uh i'm not sure it's going to be the best work they've ever done but like i said they have me i'm in i'm totally gonna watch at least the first episode or two just to see how it is and uh and yeah these guys they're they're almost always worth at least giving a try to because they are so funny what Star Trek thing have you got for us, Jaime, this week? Yeah, you know, as uh, the fall season is here, which means that uh, the Christmas shopping season is here. So, if you were looking for something for that special Star Trek fan in your life, the uh, the Hallmark collection is is actually interesting. I was like, oh, you know, we've got a, a musical uh, tree topper of the uh, original USS Enterprise to go along with that. They've got ornaments from the Mirror Mirror Universe uh, collection of, of Sulu and uh, Kirk and uh, Uhura, but they've also got these, what they're calling itty bitties, so if you ever wanted to have the Borg Queen or Picard as Locutus, or a uh, a twofer of uh, Captain Janeway and Seven of Nine from Voyager, uh, you can get those, and you can have their their adorable um, Charlie Brown-esque faces. <laughs> so so which one are you giving to your significant other, Jaime? Uh, <laughs> to my significant other? That's a, uh, that'd be a, a, a tricky one, but for myself, I'm like, man, I'm kind of digging the the cutest one yeah and just have that in the in the background of your 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 work conference calls yeah that could be fun 
All righty. Uh, well, my pick, my pick is, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, is Brave New World. I started watching, I think, um, two, maybe three episodes in. Um, it's a bit... Uh, so I, I wanted to ask you guys, because w- when we were in high school, we had to read Brave New World, as well as Animal Farm and Fahrenheit 451. And what was the Aldous Huxley one? Um, Isn't that Brave New World? Or was Brave New World Aldous, Aldous Huxley? I can't remember. There was another sci-fi one like this that we had to read, right? And, I mean, the big focus for us when we were reading this was, oh, my God, these, you know, children are all born, you know, not through um, natural birth. They're, they're created in test tubes, and you become an alpha, beta, gamma, epsilon, and that would set your, your sort of cast you in life, right? So the alphas were obviously higher than the betas, and, the you know, betas higher than gammas, and gammas higher than epsilons. So I mean, we may have that back. The epsilons are lower one, lowest ones, right? And in this show, you can sort of you have these implants in your eyes that like sort of contacts, I guess, like Apple glasses, I think we might call them, uh, where you you look at somebody and you can see what their rating is, sort of thing, as long as you're on the network, as it were, right? And they're always popping these little happy pills uh, to keep them all, you know, in a happy, joyful kind of mood, right? So anytime anybody gets anxious or has stress or whatever, the there's one character, one one of the main characters is always doling out the little happy pills that they take um but there's also another world of of people in this in this world where and they call it the um where the savages live and the savages are are those who are born through natural childbirth and they live outside of this sort of perfect world um and the people in the perfect world go to go to vacation to these uh places like savage land like amusement parks where they get to look at how the savages live and you know they have the world of monogamy and you know so on and so forth but anyway I don't remember any of that from reading the book in in high school and so I don't know if this is like it's sort of a modern take on the idea and they've just sort of thrown this in because you know you know I'm sure you know the setup I've just said you know they have these people living in the perfect world they go to the savage world something goes wrong and they all kind of like you know the two cultures mix right um, but do you guys remember, did you ever read the books when you were kids or teenagers or I think I read the book maybe when I was in my late teens. I don't remember it very vividly. Yeah. It's pretty brief, as I recall. Not a very long book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you, do you remember the bit about the, the alphas and yeah, betas? Yeah, yeah. And the basic, the system, yeah, the basic right? touchstones, yes. Yeah, so I kind of, I kind of, I'm almost tempted, I don't know if I'm tempted to go back and read it again, but just to sort of get, because I don't think, this is, it doesn't feel familiar. Like, it's a bit like, um, uh, like the movie iRobot, you know, where at the beginning there's a, a, a robot is accused of murdering somebody. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. that doesn't have that. I don't know if that's a story that is like the iRobot books by Asimov are actually short stories and or collections of short stories. And um, I don't think there's like they they Hollywoodized the whole thing with the story with Will Smith and, and mm-hmm. trying to figure out this, you know, who killed the, the, the gentleman that, that created the robot society mm-hmm. and Susan Calvin's in there and that kind of stuff. Right. He's a character that, that appears in a lot of she's sort of the Mary Curie or the, you know, kind of um main character in robotics that that uh appears in a lot of asthma stories right but she's a character in the irobot movie right and um so it's kind of it's kind of like a, a mix they take i think they've taken some license with the story but uh because i don't remember i'd have to go maybe i'll go and do some research this week and see if it's the same if it played with the plot a bit right um maybe i should use my imdb app to check it out but it's an interesting show it's a, you know it's, it's it's so far it's you know nothing nothing horrible about it it's sort of uh you've got this perfect world and you've got this you know 
know, um, and of course something happens in the perfect world that makes everybody kind of go, hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's an interesting story. I mean, like, uh, I'm enjoying it, you know, like, and I do recommend that you guys take it in and check it out. And the star is, uh, is Alden Ehrenreich, who was the Han Solo, new Han Solo, right? Uh, is he? He plays John the Savage. Oh, oh, him. Yes, yes. You're, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder where I, remember, I, wonder where I saw him from. He's, yeah, he's the uh, Savage dude. And now that you mention it, yeah. yeah. And the girl, I can't remember. I've seen her before, but uh, uh, I think Jessica Brown character. Finley. I'm just looking it up now. She was um, Downton Abbey, right? Right, right. Yes. Oh, yes. She was. She was the um, Lady Sybil. Yes, the the younger sister, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I just the one thing I noticed about oh, the she's show. the one that she's the one that dies in Downton Abbey. Oh, Spoilers, dude, Downton. come on! I just ruined it for everybody. <laughs> um, the one thing I noticed about it is that Grant Morrison was one of the writers. Grant Morrison is one of the most uh, uh, lauded and loved comic book creators of the last 30 years. Um, very, very, very influential. Very, very... Um, you could see the Aldous Huxley in his writing. It's, it's He's very much... Um, a mind-expanding comic writer. He doesn't write. He doesn't write light work. He writes work that makes you think. Wasn't Aldous Huxley the one that that um, did a lot of drugs? And I think he, when he was he was sick and dying of cancer, he took even more. Uh, that's a good question. I don't remember. I'm sure we could find that on uh, online. I know he was. Um, there was like a big scandal about him, right? That he might have um, plagiarized part of this. But yes. Oh yeah, it says right here psychedelic drug use. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Oh, good stuff. Wow. <laughs> he apparently was was quite uh, quite into this stuff. Yeah, well, he was like LSD guy user, right? Like early LSD guy. Yep, yep, mescaline, LSD, yeah. all kinds of stuff. And yeah, it says he was onto some pretty hardcore LSD when he was uh, suffering from cancer, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is really how I'd like to experience things. It's a great <laughs> uh, Billy Connolly joke who says, uh, "I've never been into having sex with sheep or heroin, but uh, when I find out I've got the cancer, that's where I'm going first. Right. <laughs> Which one? Either way. I think both. He said, he yeah, said, both he said get that big fluffy one over by the fence. I'll get the needles. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Yeah, some of, some of his jokes we can't repeat on this show. Yeah, a lot of his hilarious. jokes we can't repeat on this show. All right. Well, I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, hi, many people can get in touch with you. Where do they find you? I'm on Twitter. as at Dev of the Hair. Caught you by surprise, didn't I? <laughs> uh, and Jonathan, people want to get in touch with you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram. as at JPK News. All right. My name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. On the Twitter machine is where you'll find me hanging out. So, until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Spotcast podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future.
so I finally finished Umbrella Academy today. Oh, really? Today, season two. Yet. Season two. Uh, yeah. If you have not watched it, totally you should watch it. Yeah, I yeah, liked yeah, season yeah. one, but I loved season two. It's great. Highly, highly recommend. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and particularly for you, Tim, because it is so Toronto. Like, there's so many scenes where you're like, I know where that is. I know where that is. I know where that is. Uh, there was a whole slew of scenes where I recognized exactly where they were. Oh, in Toronto? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And uh, the last episode of The Boys that was on, again, also filmed here in Toronto. Uh, there was, yeah, a bunch of spots where I'm like, I know where that is. I know where that is. I know where that is. Oh, really? yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the Boys just keeps getting better. I don't know. Are you up to date? You watched last week's episode yes of course i did yeah that mm-hmm. show that, that might be my favorite show on tv right now it's really good did you watch the uh the, the no the... it's still on my to-do list to watch that I, <laughs> I barely i wanted to catch up on umbrella academy so i haven't watched anything else this week yeah i could i could just like i'm telling you that that i don't want to give it i don't want to spoil it but the first uh first episode is like right up your alley yeah so, yeah the behind the scenes thing or the yes yes, yes. or the boys oh the behind, yeah behind the scenes yeah i'll have to i'll have to uh get into that yeah yeah i was actually i'd it's been motivating me. I was actually, I haven't uh, reread the boys since I read it originally when it first came out. I was thinking I should sit yeah, down and reread yeah. the books because the books, it's funny because the show is pretty far over the top. Like it's, you know, pretty graphically violent in language and the whole nine yards, but the book puts yeah. it to shame. Like it is, yeah. it's one of the most graphic, explicit, uh, violent, sexual uh vulgarity all of it that i've ever seen in a a comic book um yeah it is way way over the top i mean for me the scene where um homelander's talking to the crowd oh yeah right and Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. that was so amazing like you know and then yeah i don't want to give it away but like such like his his what he really wanted to do was was amazing you know like just that would have been so phenomenal if they just went if they rolled with that yeah, right yeah that would have been a pr nightmare well right? and, the, <laughs> and the final scene from the last week's episode where uh where there's there's a uh romantic scene between a couple of the superhero characters um mm-hmm. was done so well like that's just so crazy yeah like what would happen yeah. if two people who were completely invulnerable decided they wanted to get it on like oh so good <laughs> so good like throwing each other through buildings and yeah it was hilarious yeah i think uh yeah again i same same thing i really enjoyed season one but season two really kicked it up a notch yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, are you watching that one weekly yeah i was looking to see if i was up to date and it looks like they come out on friday so yes yeah. uh, episode six comes out tomorrow so uh, i'm up to speed with with everything here that i see on the, the wikipedia um uh like sort of recap yeah yeah and it's short season two it's only eight episodes right but it was yeah, yeah that's how many it was in episode one or season one as well so yeah. i guess that makes sense it's consistent it's probably a, a pricey show to put together i wonder i don't know i mean special effects yeah i guess there is you're, you're probably right I, I doesn't seem like they go way over the top on it but i guess they do kind of drop in casually drop in a lot of those like when starlight's eyes glow and all that stuff that's all gotta cost a couple of bucks too eh? but apparently it's the mm-hmm. highest rated show mm-hmm. on amazon prime like highest ever rated show on amazon prime is the boys mm. i mean it's got some pretty mainstream appeal and it definitely taps into some of those audiences who are willing to give comic shows a bit more of a run now than they may have in the past true true although uh yeah again some of the gore is surprising the scene where um the female whatever it is they're calling her this in the, in the show she's in the book she's simply called the female um where she's taking the hit jobs in the last episode just like breaking people's necks rips the guy's face off like holy cow it's not something you oh, see on Chimico, the yeah 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it was so good to they brought they brought the dog. They brought terror, and terror is a huge part of the comic book. Um, I read an interview this week with the uh, showrunner. Uh, it was on, I think it was on EW uh, Entertainment Weekly's site where they were saying, you know, hey, it's so great you finally got the dog on the show. And he's like, yeah, we specifically hired that dog because it was supposed to be able to like have sex with stuffed animals on command, and they want to do it, to do a scene because that was kind of the joke from the comics is that uh, Butcher teaches his dog how to have sex on command. Oh, the, yeah. Apparently, apparently. Uh, so, well, do you want spoilers? Well, well, now we'll say spoilers. If you haven't seen this, well, dive in. Yeah, yeah. Spoilers for the. Well, this is a spoiler for the the um um after what is what's called the the behind the scenes thing that I was telling you about. Yeah, the boys behind the scenes, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one of the character, one of the like, actors said a little a little spoiler for about that is is that the dog would not do what yes. the dog is supposed to do yes. to the to the stuffed animal. Yes. So yeah, they said uh, they they specifically got this one dog because it had been trained how to do this, this bulldog. Yes. And then yes. they said not only would it not do that on command for the shoot, so they had to sort of basically they there's one scene at the end where you know he throws him a a, a doll of um uh, oh god what's the superhero uh, Superman stand in uh, Homelander Homelander he throws him a Homelander mm-hmm. doll and says you know hey have your way with this thing. But um, he was supposed to actually do it, and they they couldn't get him to mm-hmm. do it. But apparently, he wouldn't even walk with um, the actor. So at one point, he's supposed to be walking with Butcher down the street. And so, if you look at that scene, all you see is a pair of legs because the only person that could watch the dog walk the dog was the handler. So they they got him oh, yeah. into a pair of pants that matched what the the outfit was for Butcher, yeah. and then put him on. So yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, the guy basically said like, "I'm out. No more working with animals. <laughs> like it's just such a pain in the butt." But it's a shame because the sh- the comic book, the way they use that dog, is hilarious at times. Uh, but again, stuff you could do in a comic that you can't do. It's exactly what Jaime's been saying about Lower Decks, right? All the things you can do in a cartoon you can't do on a live-action show because they would cost you a fortune. I don't think they're going to CG a bulldog having its way with a Homelander doll. <laughs> right. That might be misspent money, I think. Jeff Bezos will call you. Why are you? What are you spending my money on? Talk to you next week, guys. Okay, talk bye. to you later. See ya. Bye. How do we end this meeting? Here we go. There's the button. Bye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.